we go by the motto, you have to see it to be it. And that's what so many of the diverse students will say. I didn't think I could ever be a finance. I could never be on Wall Street until I had a professor in finance that looked like me and had worked at Goldman. And I just now that I could see that I could do that. What's interesting is while the program has so much mentorship and relationship for that underserved student, we're also getting a lot of great feedback from the majority student who says, you know, I never had a professor who was black or Hispanic. And now that I've had you, you know, professor so-and-so, it really opened up my eyes. This class was very different. It different perspectives came in. And so it's not just the minority student that's benefiting, it's also the majority student from having a classroom with a diverse leader in the front of it. Associations Thrive, the podcast celebrating successful associations and their leaders. I'm your host, Joanna Pineda, CEO and Chief Troublemaker at Matrix Group International. Listen in as top association executives tell all, revealing the creative and innovative ways they're increasing membership, generating revenue, nurturing engagement, and reimagining their organizations. By the way, if you've launched a new initiative, created new member services, or updated your governance structure and are seeing great results, I want to hear your story and so do my listeners. I'd love to have you as a guest. Go to podcast.matrixgroup.net and apply to be on Associations Thrive. Now let's dive into this week's show. Today, I'm speaking with Blaine Ruschak, president of the PhD Project. Blaine, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joanna. I'm really excited to be here today. Blaine, tell us about the PhD Project. I've not heard of you. Well, I'm happy to share about the PhD Project. And I will share that most people outside of higher education have not heard of us, and we're trying to change that. So thank you for allowing me some time. So the PhD Project was founded as an initiative of the KPMG Foundation, Citibank, GMAC, and AACSB for organizations back in 1994 to address the lack of diversity in business schools, and specifically looking at Black, Hispanic, and Native American populations. As an organization that hired 90% plus of our new hires from college campuses, it was clear that there was very little diversity and most organizations tried to deal with it by band-aid fixes, creating a program to take some from one program, from one firm to another. But that didn't change the overall mix. There was no incremental addition. And so they ventured on a hypothesis that maybe the reason there was a lack of diversity was because students did not see people that looked like themselves in the front of the classroom. So the PhD project was started. It was started by looking at trying to attract professionals from successful business occupations that were Black, Hispanic, Native American, give up their jobs, give up their income, go get their business PhDs and become classroom professors. And that was back in 1994 when there were only 294, imagine that, 294 Black, Hispanic, and Native American professors at all the business schools across the entire United States. Wow. Today, we're at over 1,700. We just hit our six-tupling Number And so we're very excited about that milestone. But 
it's been an amazing, also a labor of love in terms of what we've done for the last 29 years. And once again, we're making a difference now in attracting more diverse talent into the business community to become business students, business employees, business leaders. And I will selfishly say, hopefully someday they decide to go back and get their PhD and give back by being a professor. Blaine, talk about playing the long game. What you're trying to do is encourage students and professionals to get a PhD in business. That's a big ask. How are you doing that and where are you finding these students and professionals? Are they within the ranks of the KPMGs or is it really anywhere? They're anywhere. And we look at our kind of our supply of anybody in a business or in an academic role that is encouraged and enthused about the concept of getting a business PhD, which allows them to then choose a research topic of interest to them, being a thought leader, right? Because you have to do research on something that's not been researched before, has to be an add-on. And that's the attraction. It's that purpose of, I want to do something that I choose to do. And I want to be in a classroom impacting the lives of young students who haven't had a role model. We have so many students from underserved communities haven't had an aunt or uncle or parent who was a CPA or an executive in the marketing side. They seem to have exposure to somebody who was a doctor or a lawyer, but not that business professional. And so our pool of people is anybody out there that meets those three demographic areas and that's interested in getting a PhD. And that includes directly out of an undergraduate program. So there's a, a misconception A lot of people believe you have to have a graduate degree in order to apply for a PhD program. Not true. You can have an undergraduate and go right into a PhD program. And, you know, the desire to do this is a giving back. I mean, people see that lifestyle of being in a classroom, impacting the lives of students every semester for all those semesters you teach, as well as publishing your research and making a difference in the overall community, being just a huge worthwhile occupation. Boy, that sounds amazing. So Blaine, before we get into the things that the PhD project is doing to thrive and thriving you are, let's talk about your journey. So how does one get to become president of the PhD project? I bet it's quite the journey. It was an interesting 37 years in getting here. Ah. I started out as an accountant. I was an auditor for 10 years for KPMG. Then I was in our training development group for a couple of years. I did healthcare consulting also with KPMG. And then I found kind of my niche, my passion, which was recruiting. The campus environment had this attraction to me. I had served as a teaching assistant earlier on in my graduate career, and I just loved that higher ed space. I love being around students. I will say they have kept me young, although you can't tell by the gray hair, but I feel like they kept me young, understanding this generational differences. And my job was to attract top talent to KPMG, including increasing our diverse talent pool. And I will say, when I was on that side of the fence, when I was out there having to recruit, it was a challenge. It would be that same battle of, boy, there's such a lack of underrepresented students at these programs, and I have to try to increase KPMG share. And that's when I got introduced to the PhD project, where we now started to work collaboratively with our members. So our faculty that were teaching at universities, we would work with them and say, can you identify your top students in your class? You know, Hispanic, Native American, Black students. They want to come to a young leadership program. What can we do to help expand? Would you be willing to go to high schools with us? So KPMG goes with PhD project members 
to a local high school to try to convince students that business might be a great alternative. Oh, and by the way, here's my college right down the road that you might want to come visit. So it became a very collaborative space in those 20 some years I did recruiting. And then I was ready to retire and go teach full time because mm. teaching became kind of my ultimate long-term passion. And then this opportunity came up at the PhD project. The former CEO president was retiring because of my connection to higher ed and the professors. They felt that I understood the mission of the organization, that I understood the dynamics of diversity within the business space. And so they asked me to apply. And here I am four years later, enjoying and making a difference and really just loving meeting these professors who are just delightful to work with. They are so passionate about making a difference and helping get more diversity into the business community. Now, Blaine, that's quite the journey, starting out as an auditor to going into recruiting to now running an organization that recruits. So what kind of change in skill sets and experiences did you need to develop to now run an organization that's really recruiting at scale? Great question. I never had to manage a business before. I managed a department. So it was like I had a department, which was part of a very big organization, right? A lot of little safeguards on the way. Well, now I'm in a standalone. We are a separate 501c3 entity. So we are a standalone organization. We have to rely on our funding to maintain our operations and continue to offer the services we offer. So that was a, little, a bit of an awakening, like, okay, now, now you're a fundraiser. Mm. Someone's not handing you money to say, go recruit. And it's like, okay, go get the money to go recruit. And so a little bit of different there. Also, the recruiting technique. So with an undergraduate student, graduate student who hasn't worked before, it's a very different value proposition discussion than with somebody who was coming out of 15 years, successful in industry, making well above a six-figure salary, and you're talking about why they would want to give that up for four to six years, you know, live off a $30,000 year stipend while they're getting their PhD to then eventually take a job at a university. And so it's a very different discussion, hmm. but it's also one that I think is very fulfilling because the people looking at it, it's really because they've decided they're not getting fulfillment out of their current role, wherever they are. They want to do something they feel is going to make a difference. And this concept of being in a classroom or doing research or doing both really attracts and appeals to them. And so it's kind of a wonderful sense when they finally decide, yes, I'm going to go get a PhD. It's kind of like you throw up the flag and say, wow, we got a winner here. And then you follow them through that path for their program and you follow them all the way through the life cycle. Boy, it sounds like this job is really scratching all the itches for you because it's business and higher ed and recruiting and diversity. So amazing. Blaine, let's turn to the PhD project and all the things that you're doing to thrive. You say that you really provide full life cycle support for students and professionals who want to become PhDs in business. What does that look like? How do you provide that support? So the life cycle starts with an annual conference where we invite anybody that meets our demographics, so the Black, Hispanic, Native American, undergraduate up to a successful business professional, including somebody who's retired, they're still eligible to apply as well. And we bring them to Chicago for two days. And that two days is everything a business PhD is and is not, mm. right? So we get rid of the myths. We talk about the work. We talk about the workload, that it's a research degree. It's a very intensive research degree of which teaching is part of it, but is not the primary. And then after the two days, we then do some follow-up to encourage them to apply for a program. 
if they apply and get into a business PhD program, they become an automatic member of the PhD project. So that's how you become a member. For those next four to six years, while you're getting a PhD in either accounting, finance, economics, marketing, management, or IS, we sponsor a conference every summer where we bring you together. That peer networking is what keeps you engaged and wanting to continue with the program because there are so many dark moments going through a PhD program where you don't think you're going to stick it out. And then we also pay to send you to the association conference. So as an example, if you're the accounting major, you would go to our conference for two days and then go to the American Accounting Conference for the next three days. And what's important about that is you network with senior faculty. You start to see, oh, that's my research area. Maybe I want to possibly collaborate. They might be a great mentor for me. And so when they go through that every year for the next four, six years, when they are done, they already know what school they want to work for. They already have their insider information about where they might have the best opportunity to do their research. And that's why we have a 90% completion rate of the PhD, which is really unheard of within PhD programs, have a 90% completion rate and 97% wind up going into an academic role. So very successful in terms of fulfilling our mission, but doesn't stop there. So if you'll let me go on a little bit, Joanna. Yeah, please do. We don't say, okay, you're now a faculty member. Congrats. We cap you and send you on your way. We also then say, but you want to be the best teacher you can be. So we want you to go to a program we do at Bentley University that's three days on how to become the best teacher in a live classroom, a virtual classroom, a hybrid environment. We also know you need to be a great researcher because if you don't research, you can't publish, you can't publish, you can't get tenure. And so we have a program with Baruch where you can go to Baruch for two or three days in a research symposium and get feedback on your research project and get feedback from peers, people from other disciplines. So you're ready for the real presentation when you go to your association conference. For those that decide they're ready for an administrator role as a dean or department chair or a provost or a president, we have a two-day program that we sponsor where we bring those together and they have senior leaders talked about what it's like to be a dean. What do you have to be careful about? How do you go about the process, et cetera? And then we also sponsor other educational opportunities like ESG was a hot, is a hot topic right now. Mm. We collaborate with Fordham University to host an ESG conference so that our members have firsthand information about what's happening in the marketplace and how they can bring it back to their classroom or if it's their research area, how they can get more information about researching collaboratively with people. So you can see it goes all the way through the kind of the life cycle of to when they finally retire from academia. So Blaine, it sounds like you are really providing them with the support that they need to actually finish the programs and then be really successful at their jobs so that they're really at the top of their games, teaching at these great universities and inspiring the next generation of students who hopefully look like them as diversity students. Yes. So you're really doing all kinds of good because you're benefiting the universities, you're benefiting the workplace, and you're benefiting these diverse populations. We go by the motto, you have to see it to be it. And that's what so many of the diverse students will say. I didn't think I could ever be a finance. I could never be on Wall Street until I had a professor in finance that looked like me and had worked at Goldman. And I just now that I could see that I could do that. What's interesting is while the program has so much mentorship and relationship for that underserved student. We're also getting a lot of great feedback from the majority student who says, you know, I never had a professor who was Black or Hispanic. And now that I've had you, you know, Professor so-and-so, 
it really opened up my eyes. This class was very different. It different perspectives came in. And so it's not just the minority student that's benefiting. It's also the majority student. Right, right. From having a classroom with a diverse leader in the front of it. Well, I think what happens for the majority students is one, they see that diverse professors can be successful and therefore they will be willing and accepting of diverse bosses in the future. And hopefully we're all just appreciating the diversity in the workplace. Very great insight, Joanna. Blaine, how are you funded and how are you like making sure that this amazing work that you're doing continues to happen? Interesting funding model. So we get about half of our funding from universities. So if a university decides they want to support the PhD project, there's about 400 universities that do. They pay an annual fee and that allows them to come to all of our events, all these conferences. They also can post their positions. And so they're really getting firsthand access to our students so that when they are graduating, they're able to recruit them into their universities. That's half the funding. The other half comes from some amazing corporations and associations that we're closely with. So like the American Marketing Association, American Accounting Association, Academy of Management are all sponsors. So it aligns very well with our disciplines, as well as see corporate sponsors like the KPMG Foundation, GMAC, AACSBS, I talked to, and about 20 others. Our goal is to expand. We are trying to expand in the IAS area because that is a huge growing area within the business community. So we're trying to um, incorporate more PhDs that have IS background, although it may not be from the business. Information systems, right? Okay. We're expanding that area as well as econ. Econ is a very interesting area because if you go to a business school, one business school will have an econ department in like social sciences or totally outside the business school. And another school has it in the business school. Ah. And so for years, we only would consider somebody that got their business PhD from a business school. Now we've expanded and allowed economics from any department because the reality is whichever department you're in, it doesn't matter. Every business student will take that economics 101 and 102 from some professor. And if they're a diverse professor, it helps open up their eyes to the fact that there are opportunities in econ for them. So we've tried to expand in that respect to make sure that all our constituents are able to have an exposure to a diverse faculty member. Yeah, Blaine, if I go to your website, you've got a letter from you about the Supreme Court decision on affirmative action. How is that affecting your work and the climate? I won't lie and say that it's not a difficult climate, and clearly it varies state by state. Hmm. We continue to believe in our mission we can look at statistics. We have proven data that shows there's such a shortage of faculty that are Black, Hispanic, and Native American in business schools, especially when you compare it to the student population that continues to increase in those schools, yet the faculty numbers are not. So we know our mission is needed and we want to continue to serve it, but we also have to deal with the parameters around us. So we will work with our schools. We will work within the states. Some of our faculty members have literally chosen to move schools because of the environment in their particular states. And so we're there to support them. There's no financial funding at all from us to get your PhD. The schools pay for the PhD, schools pay the stipend. We're there to support them through the conferences and the networking and through the SCOTUS. We're there. We let our our members know that we hear them, we see them, Mm. and that we are going to be by their side to help them migrate through these very, very challenging times. I think the schools are doing some interesting things to figure out how to migrate through the decision, once again, they're 
in a different situation because it has impacted their emission standards. Right. We're in a little different situation when we don't get funding from the government. We're not subject to some of the standards that hit the universities. And our members are, as you can probably tell, they're very passionate about the organization and want to make sure that we continue the organization going forward the way it's been because there's a clear need for it to continue in its current form to make sure that we're addressing that shortage and that gap that continues to get bigger and bigger within the academic community. So we're aware, we're working with all the individuals in our schools. We actually have conference calls with our members to see what the environment is at their schools and get feedback. So we'll adjust as needed. You know, our mission is very important to us and we don't want to change that mission at this point. Blaine, you talked about networking and it sounds like what you're doing is really developing a whole network of students, professors, professionals. How do you keep them connected throughout the year? So say I go through a summer program, how do I stay connected with my cohort and maybe other cohorts? Well, what you'll find is the PhD Project members, and they call it family, and it really is family. They are so in touch and connected. And if they're in the same discipline, they go to that conference every year. So they almost look at it as a chance to have a reunion. So when PhD Project is having our doctoral students meeting, they all come and have a joint meeting, and then they, we have a big dinner. And it's kind of an exciting moment because we all the students that are graduating are getting capped. Ah. And so we cap them at our little dinner. It's kind of a big cheer. So they stay well connected within their own, but we also have technology in place where we have forum boards where they can share information about their research and maybe looking for a collaborator. So we have technology opportunities set up for individuals. We also have a lot of newsletters where we share information about what's going on. As you mentioned, we have a lot of stories we post, not only on the website, but we send out highlighting the achievements. And we have a new program called the Trailblazer Series, highlighting people who have basically set the bar where no man has gone before. They've, they've gone and set the bar for others. And so we try to use everything we can from social media, technology. LinkedIn is our major platform. So we encourage people to follow us on LinkedIn because we put a lot there. And then the forum boards, so they can stay in touch. But I will say they are amazingly connected to each other. doesn't take long for word to travel about an opening at a school where they're all sharing, hey, did you hear there's a dean opening at a school? And they, hey, so they are very, very well connected amongst themselves. But we also try to use technology to stay connected with them. Amazing. Blaine, you said that when the PhD project began, there were under 300 diverse professors at business schools, and now there are over 1,700. What's the goal? If I could show the unlimited sign, I would. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think that we'll ever be at a point where we say we're done. If we could ever even match the student demographic increases. So if student population in those three categories are going up 8% a year. I would love to see our members go up 8% a year. But it's a big commitment. Hmm. And, you know, higher ed is going through some challenging times right now. Some states have challenged the tenure process. Tenure is what allows that faculty member to know that they are safe and protected and can continue to research and publish in areas that they are interested in. And so when those things start to happen, it puts a lot of noise in the system. And so while we would love to see us keep up with that increase, our goal now is just to keep increasing to make sure we're adding more to the, the mix than those that are retiring or, you know, passing on. And so we are out there. We go to all the organizations like National Black MBA and Prospanica and all the diverse organizations to try to attract new individuals to come to our conference and enter hopefully a PhD program. 
And our greatest source of references is our professors mm. who reach out to their students or people that they're connected to on the application. We'll see how did you hear about the PhD project? And it's always the name of one of our professors that's a member. Always, yes. So that's just an amazing supply chain opportunity for us. Blaine, if I'm a Black, Latino, or Native American student or professional, why should I get a PhD in business today? What I've heard, once again, I'm not a PhD, but what I heard from talking to so many members is that it fills a certain purpose in their life. Mm. Most of them have had amazing jobs, amazing careers in so many different professions, but they feel like there's something missing. And this opportunity in the business PhD environment allows them to want to choose a topic of research that they're really interested in. So not like in school where they, they give you the research topic, and you're like, oh no, you know, I've got to do a five-page paper. This is now you're choosing something and you're choosing something to really dig in depth into. And you're trying to add new thought leadership. So you don't just regurgitate what someone else did. It's new. And people love that opportunity and challenge. And then they wind up getting connected with other thought leaders. And so it expands that space. And then there's the teaching side, right? So the business PhD is kind of a balance where there's some schools focus on research, some on teaching, and some are balanced, but there's always some teaching in there. And it's that teaching side where they remember that student they had in a class who thought there's no way they were ever going to go into business. Uh, they were taking that intro marketing class because they had to, but they were not going to ever do business. And all of a sudden, this professor lights up their world and they wind up changing. And we have stories on our videos if you go to our YouTube site. There's amazing stories of these faculty members who share individual circumstances where they help change a student's life. And so multiply that times 1,786 professors and you have a lot of impact. And that's every semester for the entire time that they continue teaching. So I think it's just a feel-good purpose. And we know in this generation, so much about is feeling like my job has meaning. And that's why I think we have this amazing opportunity for students that are in that space. Blaine, what an amazing organization. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and sharing what the PhD project is doing. It sounds like amazingly meaningful work. We will put a link in the show notes to the website, your LinkedIn page, as well as to the page on your website with the really, really amazing member stories. I hope you'll come back in the future and Give us more amazing numbers and tell us about all the ways that you're recruiting students into business programs. Thank you for having me, Joanna. We'd love to be back. Maybe when we hit that seven times number or next milestone, we'll get back in touch and share that exciting moment with you. Blaine, when you hit the 2000 number, you give me a call. <laughs> you got it, Joanna. Thanks for listening to Associations Thrive. We're so glad to have you here. You know, my personal mission and the mission of my company, Matrix Group International, is to help associations and nonprofits increase membership, generate revenue, and thrive in the digital space. I want to hear stories of how your organization is thriving in today's challenging landscape. Please apply to be on my show by going to podcast.matrixgroup.net. By the way, do you need help with a digital initiative? Maybe it's a website redesign, a new membership database, or a hybrid meeting that you're planning. I'd love to connect with you. Please visit the Matrix Group website at matrixgroup.net. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Associations Thrive. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave a five-star rating, 
post a comment and share it with your colleagues and friends. Bye.